Okay. Hey, let's uh, join me in a word of prayer. Let's pray and we'll jump into it. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 3. Hopefully you're open there or you can follow along in your notebook. But uh, let's pray. Lord, thank you for bringing us together this morning in the gym. It's warm. We're with friends and you're present. Thank you for your word that teaches us, that leads us. And just speak to our hearts today. Encourage us. May we walk out of here different than the way we walked in, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, welcome to part four in our series, Heroes of the Faith. So we're going chapter by chapter through the book of Acts, and we're taking note of these different heroes of the faith that God raised up, and we're learning that these men and women, just like us, what God does is he takes ordinary people and he just blesses them, strengthens them. And he uses them in extraordinary ways when they yield their life to the Holy Spirit's power. And the theme verse is really in our series, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that says, you will be my witnesses. Luke does not say they will be my witnesses. No, you, speaking of you, speaking of them, the Lord is calling us to be his heroes of the faith, modern day heroes of the faith. And it's exciting to just kind of see what God has been showing us. Now, this morning, we're going to look at Peter, and we're going to look at at John, and we're going to see their interaction with a lame beggar, and we're going to see an incredible trait of heroic faith emerge. And this trait, your family needs to see you living out this trait. Those at work, wherever you work, I guarantee people are hoping that you will live this out. Your church needs you to be a man or woman who models this trait. Those who are, don't even know Christ, who are hopeless, they're looking for someone who will model this trait. And any believer can live out this trait. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, if you're a man, woman, boy, or girl, you can live this out. You can rise up to be a hero of the faith. And yet this is also a trait we don't talk about much. It's very simple but unbelievably powerful when we give ourselves unto this. So let me give you the context. We're in Acts, in Acts chapter 2, the, the church is born, and believers for the first time in history are empowered. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell within. And then Jesus calls his church uh, to be his witnesses, beginning in Jerusalem, then Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And Peter and John when we come to Acts chapter 3, they're in Jerusalem. And something happens at this day when they are going through their normal experience of going to the temple areas where they would teach God's word to the masses. And we showed you a picture of the temple last Sunday, and we'll show that to you again. And so this is where the church would meet in the large settings. These temple plazas, 400,000 people could fit there. And this is where the church was born in the sense of it being raised up and being taught by the apostles. And it was the practice of the apostles to go in here and to teach the word of God and to pray with the ever-growing church. One day something happens, and we pick this up in chapter 3, verse 1. One day Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, Jews would pray at 9 a.m., 12 noon, and 3 p.m. And so Peter and John, in the afternoon, they're going to the temple to pray with God's people. 
Now, a man who was lame from birth. Now, later we'll find out that he is 40 years old. And can you imagine being lame from birth? You're 40 years old. You've never known the joy of walking. You've never known just the pleasure of standing. You've known the humility of being carried everywhere your entire life from day one. And he's being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Now, this temple gate called Beautiful was this large, ornate gate inside the eastern uh, wall. If you can show the temple again. So here's the eastern entrance. On the other side, you have this ornate, beautiful gate. Josephus, a Jewish historian, tells us it was 50 cubits high and 40 cubits wide, overlaid with Corinthian bronze. It was an amazing work of art. It exceeded the value of those other gates at the temple that were plated with silver set in gold. And this was the lame beggar's begging post, the best spot to solicit uh, money, funds. It's incredible. And he goes to this as is the practice of his life every day for these 40 years. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. I mean, he's begging. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them, like he had received years over the years. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. I'm sure the man heard that many, many times seeing people begging, oh, sorry, brother, I, I don't have any silver or gold today or money I can give you any denarii. But what I do have, and this man had never heard the next phrase, I don't have any money to give you, Peter said, but what I do have I give you, and by the way, we're going to talk about something you do have today to give. You can't give what you don't possess. You possess something, but are you giving it away? When you give it away, you're a hero of the faith. You have to know you have this to give it away. You have to be trained to give it away. And we're going to talk about that all day today. Peter said, what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Wow. Taking this man by the right hand. I'm sure the man was just stunned sitting there. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Instantly, bones come together, muscles, tendons form. This is not over time. This is not gradual. There is no therapy. An instantaneous miracle takes place. The power of God is unleashed on this man. He becomes strong. He jumped up to his feet and began to walk. Can you imagine? Then he went with them into the temple courts, which he was not permitted to do because he was considered unclean, being lame. But now he's healed. And he's walking and he's jumping and he's praising God when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they're filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. What an exciting story, isn't it? What a beautiful moment in history. Now, I want to give you our hero of the faith trait this morning, and it's this. One of the most heroic things you can do is to pray a prayer of faith for someone. To just pray a prayer of faith for someone. Now, we're going to take that apart today and really look at it. But I want you to do is this uh, at your tables right now. Can you just share about the most courageous prayer of faith 
you personally have ever prayed. A moment when it just, you prayed, but it, it took courage for you to pray. I want you to talk about that at your table. Spend a moment talking about that. Go for it. Okay, so this morning for the rest of our time, what I want to do is I want to give you five marks of heroic prayers of faith. So I'm, I'm using the, the, the term or the plural prayers of faith because we should be praying this way often, not just once in a while. I mean, we're called to pray all the time. We're called to pray all the time in faith, believing. And we're called to be praying for other people. Prayers of faith. So God is calling you and me to be heroes of the faith, modern-day heroes of the faith, by giving away what we possess, which is a prayer of faith for someone else. Well, number one, heroic prayers of faith are Holy Spirit-led. Uh, we're looking at Peter and John. They're our heroes of the faith. And we're looking at their lives, and, and, and we look here, and we ask ourselves, well, why did Peter and John go here and do what they did and say what they said why? Why did they do this? And the answer is the Holy Spirit led them. The Holy Spirit led them to this man and this man to them, and, and they're just following the Holy Spirit's lead. You know, and I don't believe we're called to read a passage like this, and tomorrow we walk into work, and we lock eyes with a co-worker, and we say, Henry, silver and gold have I none. But in the name of Jesus, I want you to go to your bank account tomorrow, open it up, you're going to find a million dollars. I don't think that's what this passage is about. Or you're to say, Sue, Sue, look, I, look at me, eye contact, eye contact. I don't have any money, but in the name of Jesus, you need, you need to enroll in that marathon this week, and you need to run it because you're going to win it. No, you know, that would be kind of lunacy. Unless the Holy Spirit were really leading you to that, I don't know if that's the case. But there's a principle here to apply. And, and the principle is that you and I are called to pray heroic prayers of faith for others as the Holy Spirit leads us. And sometimes it's going to look foolish to others. Faith exercised is scary. But when it's Holy Spirit-led, you know it's of God. One day, Peter and John were going to the temple. One day, you're going to be at work. You're going to be shopping. You're going to be walking. One day, you're going to be at the gym. And the Holy Spirit is going to lead you to someone. The Holy Spirit is going to lead someone to you. And the Holy Spirit is going to prompt you. And you're going to know it's from him. And he's going to prompt you to pray for that person. And when you do that, you're a hero of the faith. Now, part of what I do for a living is I pray for people. But it's always so special when I go into a hospital and I just say, Holy Spirit, lead me. Give me the words to just lift this person to you in prayer. So often as I'm praying there, and I'm not super quiet, I pray in a room and everyone's hearing me, and that's a ministry as well. And oftentimes, I'll then go to that person in the other bed. Can I pray for you? Sometimes then I'll walk down the hallway. And, and there's been times I walk down the hallway and I pass a room 
and I just see someone and the Holy Spirit, Mark, you need to go pray for that person. I'll keep walking. And then boom, I just, nope, that's God's voice. And I go back and I just walk in. I say, hey, I'm, I'm Mark. I'm a pastor. God led me here. Can I pray for you? And, and it's, it's beautiful. That's what it looks like in my life. Tracy and I were going to the hospital just a few weeks ago to go see Jean. And as we're walking into the hospital, out comes a, a couple who just had twin baby boys. And she's in a wheelchair, and the husband's a young guy, and he's wheeling her, and she's got the babies, and I can see the car running. And I'm like, I'm like, do you guys need help? She's like, they're going, yes. And we're like, well, let us help you. And we're like, this is amazing. We're getting them all packed in the car. And I'm looking at these two boys, and I just said, could I pray a prayer of blessing over these two boys? It's like tears welling up. In the They're going, you would do that? I go, I would be honored. I laid my hand on those little boys, and Tracy's there with me, and we just, this beautiful family. That is, a, that, that's what it means. That, that's what this is. It's the first mark of praying prayers of faith. It's just being led of the Holy Spirit to pray for people as the Holy Spirit leads you. Amen? So, you know, as you begin this week, I mean, you want to be a hero of the faith that's just going out, Lord, who do you want me to pray for today? And maybe God is going to open up the door. Maybe not. But you're going to be in a position where you're willing to be used of him to literally extend the beauty of a prayer for another human being that's in need. It's beautiful. Number two, second mark of heroic prayers of faith is that they are bold. They really are. I mean, everything about Peter and John here is just, can you imagine this? Again, we read it, but verse four and five, Peter looked straight at him. <laughs> Peter said, look at us. I mean, that is so bold. Look at me. You know, and the man gave him his attention. And then Peter said, I don't have any money but what I do have in the name of Jesus, you know, be healed. Wow, that is just so bold. Now, let me just teach you something about the book of Acts. The book of Acts is not prescriptive. In other words, we're not called to do and say exactly as Peter did and said. We're not called to pray the exact same prayer and wording. That is not the book of Acts. The book of Acts is not prescriptive. It is descriptive. It is giving us history. And we're called to live out the principle that is modeled in the book of Acts. A lot of people get into trouble. And even teachers, they teach it as prescriptive. No, it is descriptive. And we all need to go back to the principles that undergird these stories and teach them as doctrine that we hold on to and live out. So the principle we're called to live here is one thing, boldness of prayer. That's the principle. And that is taught everywhere. How is that going to look? It's going to look different as the Holy Spirit leads you. Now, let me just take you, go back the same, go to the book of Luke. Same author, Luke wrote the book of Acts. I want you to just see how this is laced all through scripture. This is the norm for followers of Jesus Christ. Go to Luke chapter 11. And here Jesus is teaching on prayer. And I just want you to see how this is how we should pray. This is very normative. One day, Luke chapter 11, verse 1, Jesus is praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, if you're wanting to grow in your prayer life, 
this is a great passage to study because Jesus is answering how we should pray. And he said to them, when you pray, and he gives them the disciples' prayer, the Lord's Prayer. You know that that prayer, if you study it, is giving us the components of prayer. There's six of them. I don't have time to go through that right now. But then after he gives the model prayer where to pray, he then tells a story to talk about the tone of our prayer and how we're to pray. He says, verse 5, Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I don't have any food to offer him. And suppose the one on the inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are in bed. I can't get up and give him any, you anything. I tell you, even though he will not give up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your, look at this, shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. You know what Jesus is saying? We're called to pray with shameless audacity. That is boldness. Those are faithful prayers on behalf of others. Wow. That's the norm. Sometimes we don't even pray. And when we pray, though, is it prayers of faith? One of the most haunting passages for me is Matthew 13. At the end of the, the chapter, Jesus comes to Nazareth, and the familiarity of his hometown, they reject him. Isn't this the son of Mary? And, and Jesus is doing miracles. And, and it talks about there how his own community, Jesus had no admiration, really no respect. And then it ends, the chapter ends with these haunting words. Jesus could not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. I've often thought, Lord Jesus, help me to have faith. Pray in faith. Because you want to use me as a tool through which miracles flow. Jesus was prevented from doing miracles there because their familiarity with Jesus. Are you, have you become so familiar, familiar with God that you think he doesn't do miracles when you ask of him? Have you become numb to the powerful gift that God has given you called prayer and praying prayers of shameless audacity? Every time you pray a prayer of faith, you are a hero of the faith. <laughs> We're called to be led of the Holy Spirit. We're called to pray with boldness. That is how Peter is praying. Third mark of heroic prayers of faith. Heroic prayers of faith are prayed in Jesus' name. And look at, again in verse 6 where he says, In the name of Jesus Christ, walk. Now you say, Mark, that sounds more like a command than it does a prayer. Well, there it might sound that way, but we always interpret Scripture with Scripture. What's going on here? And you read the context like we will right now, and you're going to see because Peter discloses that, in fact, he was praying. And this is a prayer of faith. Look at verses 11 through 16. While the man held on to Peter, I mean, this is after the miracle happens, the guy's healed. All the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. Uh which is part of that temple complex. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, now Peter sees an opportunity to kind of give an explanation. Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness 
we have made this man walk. He's discounting any powers coming from him. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You hand him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. And then he says this, by faith, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and and, and know was made strong. In Jesus' name and in the faith that comes through him, that has completely healed him as you can now see. Wow. You get what Peter's saying? He's saying, hey, it's our faith in Jesus' name that has brought about this healing. They clearly disavow of any power in and of themselves, unlike so many faith healers today on television. Seriously, we want to somehow claim that there's power in us to heal? How absolutely ludicrous. There is power only in the name of Jesus. So let me ask you a very simple but profound question. Are you praying simple prayers of faith in Jesus' name? Are you praying for your kids in the name of Jesus? Are you praying for your husband, your wife, in the name of Jesus? Are you praying for your boss, co-workers, in the name of Jesus Christ? Every time you do, you are a hero of the faith. That is heroic. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see is made strong. It's in Jesus' name that he has been healed. Heroic prayers of faith are always prayed in Jesus' name. Praying in Jesus' name is not a formula. Praying in Jesus' name is taught throughout Scripture. And there's power in Jesus' name. There is power when you invoke the name of Jesus honestly and sincerely from your hearts. There's power. You don't need to be some waving hands all over. It's, it's not, you know, the charismatic nature of calling out in the name of Jesus. It's just his name, his authority that you mentioned. There's no other name like the powerful name of Jesus. I want you to take a look at this man. Uh, his name is Mizzou. He's one of the church planners that we support every month in Ethiopia. God uses this man greatly. Uh, he's a humble servant. Throughout Ethiopia, we go into pure Muslim communities that have never heard the name of Jesus. There are hundreds of them. He goes into these communities. He's a man of great faith. He looks for the man in the community who is most demon-possessed, the crazy man. And he asks the community, where is that man? And everyone knows that man. You know what I'm saying? Every community, you have that guy. And he goes after him, and he finds him. And he prays in the name of Jesus for those demons to be cast out and the demons leave and that man is healed. And the whole community goes, what is going on? And he shares the gospel and he starts churches. God uses this man mightily. Not only him, many. We, we support dozens 
of pastors, evangelists like this all over the world. Mizzou, he was coming into a pure Muslim community, like 5,000 people, and as he's coming into this community, he comes face to face with a cheetah. Cheetah comes out of the brush, literally stares at him, and Mizzou, this is a simple man. He's very, very simple. He just says, in the name of Jesus, stand still, and that cheetah freezes. Well, the community sees what's going on with a cheetah that's frozen, and, and the community starts coming out to look at this cheetah that's literally frozen in its steps. Mizzou is talking to the people, the cheetah's standing there, and then after there's a crowd there, Mizzou walks up to the cheetah and says, in the name of Jesus, you can leave, and the cheetah walks off. Preaches the gospel, people come to Christ, churches are planted. If you're not supporting one of our church planners, you are missing out. It's $50 a month. Get a picture because all of our church planners are like this. I mean, miracles are happening in the name of Jesus all over the world. You should have, we have several profiles in our house where we're praying for these dear servants of God. Just, that was a shameless commercial right there, wasn't it? <laughs> But, I mean, how can we, this is what our church does, and it's beautiful and awesome, but I just, you know, it's in the name of Jesus. Hmm. Let me give you a fourth mark of heroic prayers of faith. Heroic prayers of faith are often answered with miraculous results, but not always. So, in this case, with this lame man, Peter and John come up to him, and they pray this prayer of faith, and boom! Boom! I mean, immediate, dramatic, miraculous results. He's absolutely healed. He's jumping up and down. This happens today. In my life, this church, years ago, <laughs> prayed for me. My parents were praying for a miracle for Mark. I was so far from God. If you're a parent, take hope. <laughs> So they were praying that God would do a miracle in my life. And God broke into my life and showed me the supernatural. I often don't tell this part of my story because it will sound a little strange, but when God shows up, it is strange. It's kind of scary. So I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but for two Sundays in a row, I skipped church and I went water skiing. And the first time I went water skiing, a friend of mine crashed literally on shore, and broke his arm, compound fracture, his bone was sticking out. It's a long story. And we stopped water skiing, took him to the hospital. The next Sunday, uh, I said, Dad, I'm going to go uh, water skiing. And my dad just said, I, don't, I wouldn't do that if I were you. <laughs> and I was like, what is he talking about? I'm going water skiing. I'm 20 years old. I can do that. And, uh, you know, so I went water skiing. And uh, early in the morning, I was with a friend. We flipped the coin. Who gets to go first? Boom, I won. Heads, I'm out water skiing. Just cutting it up. Beautiful. Glass. And then I, then I, I, I ended up crashing on my side, and the, the ski came off, single ski. It, the tip of it hit me in the head, and then the skag of the ski, which is the end metal kind of skag that keeps it grounded, went right across my eye, and the Lord 
allowed everything to go into slow motion. And this, I know it sounds crazy, but this gag, I can close my eyes and I can see this gag right now. It had five circles in it. And it went across my eye and literally slit open my eye, wide open. You can see a scar right here. And a voice came to me and said, I could have taken that eye. And then all of a sudden, boom, there's this moment of silence. I'm in the water like this with my life vest. The boat, you know, is just way off in the distance. And I remember saying, what just happened? And it was the moment of supernatural God revealing that he was God. And it rocked my world to the core. And it was because parents in this church prayed for me. They were praying a prayer of faith. And God broke into my world. And that night, I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, saying, I will tell the world about you because you're real. Now, I had no idea <laughs> that would mean be becoming a pastor and a missionary. <laughs> I had no clue at that point. But when you pray prayers of faith, they are often answered with the miraculous, but not always. For me, it was in that moment. For this man, this lame man, yes. You know, the early believers in Acts, as we're going to see a little bit later, they were praying for Peter and John, their safety. John was executed and Peter escaped. Does that mean they didn't pray a heroic prayer of faith for John? No. Even John, he's executed. Peter gets away. All prayer is ultimately and always decided by the sovereign will of God. Our God calls us to pray prayers of heroic faith for others. God in his sovereign will determines if the answer to our heroic faith-filled prayer is yes, no, or wait. That doesn't mean something was wrong with our prayer. If someone isn't delivered, it's just, no, that's God's will. Remember the Apostle Paul on three occasions prayed a prayer of faith, God, deliver me from this thorn in the flesh. And the apostle, God said to the Apostle Paul, Paul, I appreciate your prayer. It's a faith-filled prayer. But I have a different plan. My power is made perfect in weakness. No, I'm not going to answer that prayer the way you think. You would like it to be answered because I have a different plan. Several years back, I was uh, on the Anaman and Nicobar Islands. I don't know, you probably recently heard, if you watch the news, the story of a gentleman named John Chan, who had a vision to go to these islands because they're inhabited by the last Stone Age tribe living on the planet. They've been in isolation for thousands of years. And they literally live as savages. They're naked. They human sacrifice. They are a law unto themselves. And uh, Tracy and I have literally driven through this territory. We had a military escort, machine guns, the whole thing. And we saw them. I don't think you can do that today. When I was in her church, and I'll show you a picture of her, her name's Ruth, she went to this tribe, which was illegal by the Indian government because they're preserving them. She went to this tribe. She's Indian. They're totally naked there. She literally took off all her clothes, snuck into the tribe, learned the language, lived there for two years, married one of those men, 
to incarnate herself and be the gospel into that community. She brought the good news to them. This is the Centralinese Indian tribe. The government of India did find out that she went in there. I don't know how they did it, but covertly they went in and they, they took her out by force after two years. When I heard this story, I had to go see her. And several years ago, I took a trip there to meet her and preached in her church. Her story was amazing. It was an honor to meet someone like that. Can you imagine giving up your whole identity, your whole life, actually stripping off your clothes, going in and just learning a language, bringing the gospel? These are amazing people, just like you, just like you. When you strip off your pride and you start praying for people, you're a hero of the faith in your own context, just like her. This is what the Holy Spirit led her to do. And it's amazing. And it's beautiful. And so as I'm preaching in her church one night, something happened to me that it was so humbling. At the end of it, there's a line, typically, they always want to give me a hug or talk to me. Uh, you know, sometimes they've given me all sorts of interesting things. They'll give me a goat. Here, pastor, take a goat. <laughs> I, all sorts of gifts, you know. But one, uh, there was a line in this lady, lady, I'll never forget, a mother. She came up to me with her little baby who was blind. And she said, pastor, would you please pray for my little baby? I'm like, oh God. I was so humbled and And I remember with all the faith I had, I just humbly just laid my hands and prayed that the Lord Jesus would heal that little baby, bring sight to the blind. Prayed and, 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 you know, the little baby was not seeing, as far as I know, in the moment. I don't know what's happened since. We're We're not called to heal. God heals. We're called to pray. Don't let the thought of, oh, God can't, God isn't going to heal the person if I pray, stop you from praying. A hero of the faith is not someone, faith healers. Oh, it's kind of a joke. I just don't see it in the Bible. Sorry. When the power is in the person, when the power is in Jesus, amen. But when you're going to see a person, I cringe. Give the glory to God, Jesus, Jesus, and Jesus alone. But we are called to bring Jesus to people in faith, believing if it's God's will, he can heal. And we have to have the humility to pray a simple prayer. Heroic prayers of faith are often answered with miraculous results, but not always, not always. Don't let that stop you from praying, amen? Amen. Let me give you a fifth mark of heroic prayers of faith. Heroic prayers of faith give us the opportunity to point people to Jesus. Always is this the case. Um, In other words, praying a heroic prayer of faith for someone very often opens the door for you to be God's witness to them. And often what I found is just offering to pray for someone is in itself an amazing witness to that person of your own faith and bringing God into the equation of whatever they're experiencing. In all my years of doing this, and there are many, many times I pray for people, they never know I'm a pastor. I've never seen one person not deeply moved 
by the fact that I offered to pray for them. Not one when the Holy Spirit leads you. You have to be led of the Holy Spirit, but it's beautiful. Now, you look at verses 17 to 19, you know, after this miracle happens and Peter's speaking, he then goes further and he just kind of gives a witness. He says, now, fellow Israelites, I mean, after you've seen all this and you know it's in the name of Jesus and faith in him that this person is healed, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. A few uh, months ago, I was at the golf course, and I'm just hitting balls, just on the range. And this young man uh, comes up behind me, and he, start, he goes, hi. And I turn around, and there he is. And he goes, uh, can you help me out a little bit? He goes, uh, can you just look at my swing? I go, of course. So I walked over. I go, awesome. I, he had a club in his hand. It was a five iron. And I go, where's your clubs? He goes, oh, I just have one club. I go, really? He go, I go, how long have you been golfing? He goes, just a week. I went, wow. I go, well, show me what you got. He takes a five iron out and just, I was like, wow. He hit it fine, like 150 yards. I'm like, that is awesome. And, uh, and he goes, yeah, I'm really trying to learn this. I go, you know, I got a friend and, and he gives lessons. The first one's free. I go, why don't you come to my car? And uh, I'll give you his card, and this will get you going. And actually, I'll, I'll be happy to give you some clubs. And so we're talking like this. And on the way there, I noticed on his arm a tattoo. And it was this picture right here. And I'm like, Ephesians 1.11. Now I know that by heart. I'm like, you've been predestined. And he's like looking at me going, what? And I go, yeah, your tattoo, Ephesians 1.11. And he's like, wow. He goes, how do you know that? I go, well, I am a pastor. And he kind of looked at me, and so we're walking out to my car, and I go, come on, man, you got to tell me the story. What's going on with your tattoo? And he goes, and he kind of, we got to my car, and he kind of started just tearing up a little bit. He goes, well, he goes, my dad died a few months ago, and I went to the Hallmark card, you know, department, and I'm walking around looking for cards, and a woman comes up to me, and she handed me this card, and, and she said, I think you need this. And he read the card, and it was Ephesians 1.11. And he goes, and I went home, and I found a Bible, and I looked up that verse, and I just could not get my mind off that verse. And so I took the Bible, I went to a tattoo shop, and I had this tattooed on my arm. I said, so tell me your story. What, what's God doing? He goes, well, he goes, I, he goes I, I don't know God, and I'm, I'm just on a search. I go, you know, you're on a search, I know God. God has brought us together. And his name was James. And I said, James, uh, I go, how about if we pray right now? And, and we pray and we ask Jesus to be your Savior and Lord, to lead you through this search and to be the God of your life. He said, I'd like that. We held hands right there in the parking lot. And I prayed a prayer and he prayed it after me, asking Christ to be his Lord and Savior. And there's James right there after he came to Christ. But it's all prayer. One of the greatest ways you can witness to people is by praying for them as the Holy Spirit leads you. Heroic prayers of faith, they're Holy Spirit led. Just say, Jesus, I'm willing to pray for someone. Lead me, open my eyes, soften my heart. Heroic prayers are bold. They're always 
prayed in the name of Jesus. They're often answered with the miraculous, but not always. And they give us the opportunity to point people to Jesus. They really do. All right, I'd like you to take a moment and talk about this at your tables. Of the five marks of heroic faith praying, which one kind of most impacts you? How has the Lord most impacted you from this message? What have you heard that you like to just kind of, you know, share at your table right now? Take a moment, talk about that. Okay, let's, uh, let me just kind of wrap this up, give you a moment in your own heart to think about this and what this looks like for your own life, especially as you go out this week and live your life differently. One of the most heroic things you can do is just to pray a prayer of faith for someone. Hmm. You know, James 4, 6 is always just such a powerful verse about prayer. You do not have because you do not ask God. I mean, wow. So is there things that we're going without in our family, at work, with people, because we're just not asking God, we're not praying? I think so, because that's what the Bible says. We can so easily take for granted this whole area of faith in prayer. I want us to think for a moment about this lame man. I don't know his name, but I can't imagine what it would be like to be lame from birth. And year after year, this man, 40 years, was carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, and he's begging. I I wondered in my own heart, I was like, how many times, Lord, over the years, did he receive money from people? Did he actually master his gig, whatever he said? Was it a thousand? Was it 5,000 times that money was exchanged that he had to be humble and ask like this? How long did it take for one hero of the faith to finally come along who had the faith to offer up a prayer of faith for his healing? So easy to give money. A non-Christian can give money. Only you will give prayer. How long will it be for that guy, that gal at work in the neighborhood? How long is they going to go through life until someone, a hero of the faith, finally rises up and will pray for them? Wow. Prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscles of omnipotence. My favorite statements about prayer. The slender nerve that moves the muscles of omnipotent God to act on behalf for his glory. One of the most heroic things you can do is just pray a humble, simple prayer of faith for someone that the Holy Spirit leads into your life. You can't give away what you don't possess. But what you do possess is absolutely precious. Please don't become numb to it. You you possess something powerful. The Holy Spirit lives within your life. There's power in the name of Jesus. When God's people pray humbly in the name of Jesus, power. Say to a cheetah, Be still. You can move. Wow. 
Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. As American Christians, are we like living in, I don't know, Nazareth? Have we gotten so used to a God who lives in our little box? We can contain him and understand him and he's not supernatural and he can't. Are you serious? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What is he saying to me? I pray just that the Lord would raise up numerous modern-day heroes of the faith like Peter and John who pray simple heroic prayers of faith for someone the Holy Spirit puts right in front of us. Amen? You pray for me, I'll pray for you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray that we could take this beautiful passage that moves all of our hearts and actually bring us into that drama and realize you want to use us the same way. Certainly different circumstances, but the principle. So Lord, grant us this faith, empower us to pray prayers of faith for those that you bring into our lives. Lead us, Holy Spirit. Help us to be bold, to show, to show that shameless audacity. Let us pray in Jesus' name, and whether you do a miracle or not, let us ever point people to Jesus. As is my custom, I guess you call it, I, I really believe it's not my prayer that's powerful. I mean, it is, but it's your prayer. That's why I always like to give you the opportunity to pray. Would you just come to the Lord? There's power in this moment spiritually where you just say, God, I just, what is it that God's saying to you? Meet the Holy Spirit right now in prayer, whatever God's saying. Just take a moment, talk to the Lord. Lord, I love our times together. I really do. I love these people, Lord. They're heroes of the faith. I admire them. I really do. And I just pray that together you'd use us to be your men and women. Lord, just in relationship with you, walking through life in faith. So lead us this week. We love you and thank you for our time together. All God's people said.